Welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is episode 82, and this episode has literally been built by you. I am your host, Cody Beekman. With me, as always, is Nick Adams. What's up, what's up? And Bryce McMillan. Hey, what's up, hello. And today we have Ari on the, on the podcast because we're doing something special, and we'll find out. Ari, say hello. Hello. That was simple, short. Very easy. Precise. So today, um, you guys have been seeing this around the social media that uh, we put out an Ask Us Anything. So this episode, we're going to do a whole episode of just asking us, well, damn near anything. Uh, you guys excited for this? Like, we got some good questions coming down. Like, uh, how are we feeling today? Totally stoked. I'm really interested to see what the listeners have to ask for us. And, you know, hockey input, anything, this, anything goes for the next pretty much half an hour to an hour. So oh, yeah. let's rock it out, listeners. Yeah. Super stoked. Can't wait. Honestly, got some really good questions here lined up. Good, good off-season talk here. Ready to talk about the whole league. Super stoked. Exactly. So we brought Ari on to be our moderator slash question asker, if you will. <laughs> so today, yeah, we're going to get it going on. So um, without further ado, Ari, hit us with our first question. This question's from Jeff and Graham. How do you guys feel about these signings, and do you think Seattle will do anything substantial this year? So these signings that, we're, that they're talking about are the uh, Andre Berikovsky going to Seattle, um, the Washington Capitals signing Darcy Kemper, and uh, Kubel going to Toronto. So, um, Nick, start us off, dude. I mean, the I'll start with the least impactful here. I think the Abe Kubel to Toronto. Solid fourth line guy is what it is. Hard, hard working player, easy to fill in. Good signing for them, but not a, not anything substantial. I do think, however, Darcy to the Caps is a big time move for them. They're committing to a goaltender. Just won a Stanley Cup. You know they have an aging core there, but they're still good. They're still. I think that this move shows that they're going all in and they're going to continue to push for the playoffs and beyond and then uh, Seattle I think they're just uh, you know they're brand new here this is usually how brand new teams work so you know it takes a little bit of time to get relevant so I think I like the Burkowski signing I think it's a building block in the right direction but I don't think they're going to be contending this year by any means well, I'll piggyback off here, you, Nick. But I just think of Burakovsky, I just think of, you know, him coming to Seattle for, a, you know, kind of a rebuild team, right? They're brand new to the league. And they need somebody like Burakovsky. Um, you know, sad to see him leave the avalanche. You know, just the way he is on the ice, he's a total, you know, I wouldn't say the maybe the best in practice, but a total gamer. He's very unpredictable. He's in the right places, you know, at the right times. And hell of a shot. Hell of a shot, you know, and, you know, he's very accurate. He knows where to be positionally, and you know, I think that's what they need right now in terms of just getting the structure built for their team. Um, so, you know, sad to lose him, but Burakovsky, I think, is going to provide that, you know, that clutch, quote-unquote clutch, you know, factor that they need during big games, you know, especially against teams like the Avs or you see teams like, you know, the, the Hurricanes in the future. He's going to be able to kind of come out and just be, I think, in the future and just be one of those, you know, gamers or someone you don't expect to just pop in a goal every once in a while, but they need that where they're at. Um, but, you know, in terms of Darcy Kemper going to the Capitals, um, you know, 
plus side, minus side. So the minus side, you know, yes, sucks, you know, for, you know, for the abs that are losing one of their, you know, big goaltenders, but I think they can do better, obviously, you know, just in terms of having the new signing from the Rangers, um, their goaltender, and we have also, remind me who, the, who that is? Cody? Alexander Georgiev. So Georgiev, he's coming to the abs, you have, you know, I think, you know, Frank Hughes is going to be great as well. I don't, I don't think that the abs um, would have any, you know, different outcome of winning the cup with either Frank Hughes or, or Kemper being there. So okay. to me, it's an okay uh, loss, you know, for the Avs. Kind of like if you're playing chess, you lose, you know, your your work or something like that. It's, it kind of sucks, but it's always something you can move on without with. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I sit here and I think that, you know, it's a plus and minus at, at the end of the day. But hey, good thing for the Capitals. They need the goaltending if they're going to get back to where they were a couple years ago. Um, but a plus side for the Avs overall. So my thoughts on it are, you know, it's it's free agency, you know. Uh, cap cap space is strapped for the ads. It's 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 obviously we're gonna lose players, and I mean the Seattle signing for Burakovsky, that's a great signing. I really do. I mean he's got cup pedigree. He's a, he is able to score at least twenty five to thirty goals a season. He's proved it here in Colorado, and I mean he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get more ice time in Seattle than he would in uh, in Colorado or anywhere else at the at the time right now. And I really think that's what Berkey needs, anyways, is just more ice time to really become a factor. Um, so I really think that that's a great signing for Seattle. And uh, you know, with for Ron Francis, great, great, absolutely. And I mean, a second line player, automatically. I mean, he, I. In some places, he could factor in as a first-line player, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, with as far as Washington Capitals go for signing Darcy Kemper, great get, because you know, with Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek last year, it was just problematic for them. It really was. One guy, one goalie would be off, and then the other goalie would be off at the same time, and then you'd see these stretches where Washington looked like they might not even make the playoffs last year. So, I mean. Solid get for uh, for Washington as well, and you know, um, for Darcy Kemper, you know he he played great. And listen, if you want to get paid, you're gonna get paid in this league, and perfect timing, perfect timing. And as far as far as Obey Kubel goes, I mean, <laughs> you know, we had that awesome sign. You know, the only prescription is more Obey Kubel, which was fun. I mean, that was a great time. Uh, and for you know, just a placeholder in in the lineup great great player to have as a placeholder uh it's the the one thing i can't stop thinking about that signing is the memes that came with it especially after him like denting the cup <laughs> uh, you know uh, the, what, what, what was the meme it was like oh the avalanche uh were so mad at obey kubel they uh they sent him to a place where they'll never see the cup in toronto <laughs> I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I mean, uh, the internet's just getting too good right now. But, I mean, that's a good depth signing for Toronto for sure. And let's be honest, I mean, depth at in, like, the bottom six is a bit of a problem sometimes for Toronto. So, you know, I think that's a good spot for Obey. And on your point, Obey Kubel, we can't use that signing meet anymore. And I think everyone deserves to you know, hear what we put on that sign, right? At least Obey. Yeah. It was, uh, you know... I'm sick. I got a prescription. The only thing I have or uh, need is more Ube 
Cube out. The old Christopher Walken <laughs> SNL gig. Yeah, it's great. You know what? If you were there to see it, then I'd just feel sorry for you. All right. So, I mean, full coverage on that first question. I think it went well. I think we're uh, moving right along. Ari, you want to hit us with another? Another question from Jeff and Graham is, how do you feel about two years in a row losing our best goalie? And how do you think the new goalie that we acquired will do? Nick, you wouldn't take this? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just shown that the uh, Sackick and the Avs have a system here and they're not going to commit and overpay for a goalie, um, which makes complete sense to me. I like the uh, Gorgiev move. I really believe in uh, UC Perkula, who is the uh, Avs goaltending coach. He always seems to get the... Uh, best out of everybody that seems to play between the pipes here from Varlamov to Grubauer to Darcy Kemper to you know the track records there so I uh, I believe in the trade I believe in the move and I uh, I'm excited for it. Now I've been to say all faith in Joe all faith in Perkola for sure dude I mean you can't sit here and you know look at this goalie coach and look at where the abs have been the last almost you know, four years in terms of goaltending you know, been in the playoffs the last four, going on, you know, five, what, six years almost. And, you know, you have the coach like Jared Bednar and you have Joe. And I just, you know, I don't see George Gibb coming in here taking the starting spot. I do see, you know, Frank Hughes coming into here and, and doing his thing, just like he did in the playoffs. To kind of reiterate what I said earlier, the Avs could have won the Cup with either, you know, again, Kemper or Frank Hughes. But I just see, you know, George Gibb coming in here as a good starting backup um, for the Avs. And I think he'll do well. The way I see it is, I see it in two lights. I see Georgiev being able to come in and being able to really prove himself and try to work towards a national number one. And it also gives Franzos a chance to be a national number one. So there's going to be a healthy, healthy goaltending, you know, um, battle for number one. So they're, both goaltenders are going to be given their... 100% to, you know, become a, 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 an actual number one in the league. And, I mean, Franzos and Georgiev have both been solid backups, so this is the time for them to really, uh, you know, jump out of that number two starter position. But I really think, you know, Georgiev's a solid goaltender, so let's go. Yeah, I mean, again, back to Frank Hughes, just doing what he's been doing the last couple of years in the, in the budget talk and just what the Eagles have been doing. You, you know, he's been back, you know, on the abs, went back once again. Now he's back on the abs, and he's really proven himself. So, oh, yeah, that was just the conditioning you know, stint after that uh, injury. injury and, yeah. You know, and so, you I mean, he's been back. He's been proved he can play a substantial amount of games without having that head be a, you know, a factor. Um, so with budget, you know, you can't have him hang around and not see what his talent does. And, you know, I think it was, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of have to let Kemper go and see what, you know, Frank Hughes can do and let George have come back on in just for budget reasons too. One thing I do have to echo is Nick's point at overpaying for a goaltender. We're seeing it right now super hard with uh, the Florida Panthers and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. They've been trying to move him for a really long time, but they signed him to such a massive – AAV and uh, what, what was it like an eight-year contract? Eight-year deal. It's art. It'll bite you in the ass sometimes when it doesn't work. You know, it's it's definitely taking a uh, you know a, a huge gamble on stuff like that. And goaltenders in the NHL, you know, they'll have the greatest the greatest season of their lives, and then I mean, you switch up one little thing, and it could be completely different the next year and the, the years after that. So. 
it's a you know it's a hard gamble to take, but I think the Avs and Joe are uh, pretty are pretty savvy with how they look at goaltending. Totally, especially the goaltender position. It's you know the you know the good you know analogy is you know running backs in the NFL are a dime a dozen. You know you have tons of goaltenders out there, and a lot of people who want to prove themselves. So yeah, I mean it's it's a big risk to take for a long time, especially when you're paying most teams are paying more people for a goal scorer or a center or left wing and that kind of contract than the are a goal stopper. You know, so that's kind of where we are. You know, where I feel about that and your point there, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, my last thought here just on the goaltender in the cap situation. I think this is the best time for the abs to take a swing here. I mean, right after winning the cup, this is this is the time that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a grace period here to, you know, Joe can take a couple big swings here and we can see what happens. This is really, in my opinion, just the, the Grubauer move all over again. Right. Bringing mm-hmm. in a guy who's kind of unproven, who's shown he can be a one at some points, struggles at other points, but really just needs to, looks like he needs the time and coaching to develop. So at this point, I'm going to trust the move. I'm going to hope that it works out. But high upside, but a little bit of risk here. A little bit of a low downside as well. All right, Ari, what do we got next? The last question from Jeff and Graham is, what do you think about the rumors that we would trade three players to free up cap space for Kadri? And if that happened, do you think that it would be justified to lose three potentially good players for him? Well, that's a good question. Nick, you want to hit that up? Yeah, I mean, I personally wanted to keep Nazem Kadri. I knew that we were going to have to make a move to make that happen. But at the same time, you can't sacrifice your team for the long haul just for the now. Um, so, uh, when it comes to a move like Sam Gerard with as much term and money that's on that deal, and as young as he is, you know, there's still a lot of time he can develop. He's still also uh, a large trade asset if you were to go that route. So, I think just moving on from a piece like that, just to do it, just to free up money, doesn't make sense. Whereas um, a move more like if it was like a JT Confer guy with one year left on his deal, three and a half-ish million, if it was something more like that to make it work, that would make more sense to me. Um, but I just don't, I don't know, to, to hurt your team in the long term to sign somebody now seems really short-sighted to me. Yeah, well, what's you, what you know, got, Bryce? For me, it's you know to look at you know what's worked and what hasn't. You know, you see what happened when Gerard got hurt in the playoffs this year. It's Avs still went on to win a cup without them, especially you know as a series in the playoffs and on harder teams to play. It just came to show that you didn't really need a Gerard there. Um, but you know, for the to answer you know the question for the the listener here, it's if you really had to pick a few players to save to you know save Kadri, I would say it had to be between Conver, O'Connor, Gerard, Johnson, um, Jack Johnson to be more specific. Um, you know, those kind of players seem to really get rid of. But um, you know, I just sit here and think you know. In terms of budget, in terms of what you need right now, it would have to be for me to keep Kadri. You know, you lose a Conquer, you lose a, a Gerard, but as of right now, Gerard's locked down, right? You can't really do much about, about that. But 
There's except for a trade. Other, except for a trade. Um, so with that being said, you'd have to be okay in trading that player and also taking on that player's salary too with that trade. So you don't do much for your salary cap either if you want to keep Kadri for a trade. So it's kind of one of those things you have to really think about, you know. But you know, if we lose, if we do lose Kadri to, to the Islanders, you know, it looks like it's more done than you know anything else right now. But if you do lose Kadri to the Islanders, you know, I don't see it as, you know, a big total loss for the Avalanche. You've lost one of your main skaters and a couple that really didn't produce when you needed to, and one guy that kind of did when you had, and that would be Burakovsky, right? So you have Kadri here going, okay, we lost Kadri, but we still have a lot of ammunition sitting here. It's not a total loss for the team, but those, you know, to answer the, you know, the question for the listener, it just those players that would come down to for me, or even a draft pick, losing a first or second round draft pick to keep Kadri, and losing maybe a Conver, or, I don't know, Connor could also be a different option. And that's what I think it would have to take. But so basically, the return on investment isn't as uh, as good as you know, just taking the hit. Sadly, no. Okay. Well, my thoughts on it is. Um, I, I just hate trading for cap space. I think it's awful, and I think it's probably the worst part of the game. I guess the business of the game, as so many people would like to say, the business of the game. I hate trading for cap space. I understand why it's there. I understand why the cap is there. But trading for cap space, it always just seems like something that's detrimental in itself. So I, I don't think I would do it. I really don't think so. Um... I, what I would do is just, you know, take the hit for now, and if you can find something in free agent, in like trade, uh, why would I say free agency? That's over. Well, well not, not necessarily. Really. Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Um, I would, I would basically go into training camp with what we got, take the hit, and if things need to be adjusted later, do it then. Uh, it's it, at this point, it's. Not something you need to jump the gun, and we all know that Joe Sackick is not one to jump the gun. We've seen it with the Duchesne trade, We've seen it with plenty of countless other uh, other moves that Joe has made in the past. So trading for cap space right now just to sign a 32-year-old uh, TC, it just it doesn't seem right right now. So I, I I just don't think I would do it at this point. If if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, man. That's that's the that's the business of hockey. You know, you can't afford something, you can't afford it, dude. Move on and then take a look at what we've got in the in the near future. You have a trading deadline coming up too. You know, that's about the end of it too. You have the trade the deadline coming up, a lot of could happen in between that point. But I know Nick has some more to say about this. No, I'm a, I just wanted to clarify. I'm not opposed to moving Sam Gerard. I just think that that's a piece that if you do move on from a Sam Gerard with that much term on the contract, that's something that you are moving on from to bring in a 2C type. So that's, yeah, there's enough value there that that's not something you just move on from to re sign somebody. I feel like that's somebody that you move on from in a deal to bring in. Kind of like what we did with Tyson Berry when we brought in Tyson or when we brought in Nas in the first place. Like if you move on from Sammy G, it would have to be like a Mark Shifley or somebody of that caliber. equivalent. And, and yeah. that, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Is like you don't have to do this right now. I mean, we have movable pieces, but why jump the gun if like nothing super substantial is there? I mean, if it's to sign Nas, then. 
I don't know. It's it, but you know, you could still look at it, not do anything now, and at the trade deadline, you could bring in a huge fish, you know, with these movable parts. So, as of right now, just just to move somebody out, just to sign Kadri, it just doesn't seem viable. It's to too me. short-sighted. Yeah. All right, Ari, what you got next? Our next question is from Todd. How loaded was Abe Kubel pregame to quote unquote dent the cup during the celebration? <laughs> this is so funny because when he asked this, he was like, uh, I, 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 I sent out the post and he's like, oh, well, that's a loaded question. I'm like, is that your question for the podcast? Like, is that a loaded question? He's like, okay, how about this for loaded? Like, how loaded was Abe Kubel when he, uh, when he fell on the, uh, on, the, on the ice with the cup? I'm, I'm going to say pretty loaded man because i mean dude's literally just like gliding over to the pile and he just takes a tumble man i don't like i mean i get catching an edge but dude that was just like the sun most sunday jaunt over and he just takes a tumble bro what can i literally talk about just like i don't think he you know they had just won the cup they celebrated they were on the ice i didn't see any beers coming out or anything yeah but he was like, scratched so he was up in the press box he i think he was probably pounding beers the entire time that's what that's that's the way i see it he just came out skated and dropped the cup i mean who knows how loaded he was you know pre-drinking <laughs> he must have he must have been really confident way in that game before he just started drinking like that i would hope well dude but, i'm not gonna lie if i was a scratch player i'd probably be knocking back some vodka tonics for 100%. sure like on edge the entire time I don't know, man. The uh, there was there was one time even before Abe Kubel when Gabe was first handed the cup and skating away. They have the whole production on the ice there for the you know for the cup ceremony and all that. There was a nice big old like cord running across it, and he gracefully stepped over it and glided with the cup. I was nervous that we weren't even gonna get to pass the cup before the thing got dented. So honestly, the fact that we made it all the way to Abe Kubel and it was somebody of <laughs> that importance instead of the captain, I'm okay with it. And I mean, Nazim Kadri did complain about the ice. Uh, the ice quality in Tampa Bay a couple of games earlier than that. So, could it have been ice quality? I don't know. It could have been the same reason that he uh, fucking traded. Maybe it's his hands. Who knows? <laughs> you sit here and you just won the cup. You step over. You step over a court and you get to your teammates and you stop and you have this forty-pound cup over your head. Yeah, you probably took it like Humpty Dumpty, right? And that probably happened. But then he's at the parade. He's at the parade and he gets a miniature one and also drops that thing too. Uh, he's just so. He, he might just be a butterfinger. It just could be a hands thing. Yeah, good question, Todd. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, what do you got next? This question is from Giannis. Will there be a new dent in the cup next year done by the done by an abs player? 100%. That thing gets dented every single year. There is so many booze that are drinking out of that. Or drink out of so that. much booze so, that's drinking out of that? So much partying. There's a, there's a lot that goes on. A lot of passing that cup around. A lot of drunk fellas doing it also. A lot of partying. Yeah. It's, it's just bound to happen. It brings up a second question of like, what, what happens when these players have this cup, if, you know, by themselves for a certain period of time that they ding up and drop on accident, or the little kids get a hold of it, or whatever happens? And I wonder how many dings happen between every single team that they have to come back and refurbish the cup for before they send it out next year. You know, that's there's the, so many things we don't even know about. That. The thing, the thing is, in my eyes, is like I'm pretty sure this has been going on for the entire 
time the cup has been around it's just that we have social media now so pretty much everything gets shown no matter what so we are m way more privy to a lot of the dingings and dentings that uh that the, that the cup is actually privy to so you know honestly that you bring up social media i think one of the best clips going around with the cup has got to be the immediate after party in a couple days and Curtis McDermott, the big tough man himself <laughs> couldn't seem to stay upright with the cup over his head, <laughs> took a spill as but soon as that thing went up man he was going down, to his credit though tucked it into the chest immediately took it right in the face, it. took it right in the face man, but I just I thought it was funny that the biggest big man around that you know nobody can seem to beat in a fist fight. The only thing that could beat him is booze and a thirty-five pound Seriously. <laughs> countless countless fighting majors and most of them he's probably won. But yeah, the only the thing that takes him down is the size of a toddler. Yeah, a forty-pound cup, right? And it's really interesting. Like, and this is on film, recorded and put on social media. So this has to be a record for like miniature cups and the actual Stanley Cup being dropped on film. But also you think about there's a purpose for some of these dents, right? It's really cool to see what some of these players have been dealing with with the actual top of the cup. You're eating Sundays out of it. Jack Johnson's eating Sundays out of it. He baptized his kid out of the Stanley Legendary. Cup. Legendary. Eating ramen soup and having eating a fruit salad out of the thing. I mean, uh, did you see Josh Manson yesterday wakeboarding with it on the back of That's his amazing. on the back of his boat and he was wakeboarding behind it? I stand by my previous statement. I mean, I I think this was like episode 16 when we actually interviewed Todd Sawatsky is that I'm pretty sure that Stanley Cup has gotten more pussy than Ron Jeremy. I guarantee you. <laughs> 100%. It has to. It's the most iconic. Everybody uh, sees it and they just get excited. Yeah, threesome all night long with this, with Lord Stanley's Eric, Cup. Hey, Eric Johnson. He was the lucky man the night of. He stayed the night with it. If Stanley Cup hasn't been in one, it's definitely seen a lot of threesomes or a lot of three-peats, per se. So oh, no, say that. That's the only threesome I'd have. Just a, uh, you know, my gal... And the and the Stanley Cup. That's the only threesome I've ever had. Definitely had more beers than we've had inside of us. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Hey, at least we're not Chris Draper. Chris Draper's kids actually pooped in the Stanley Cup when he oh. took a picture with them in there. So there is that. All right. I think that's about time to move <laughs> on. I think that right. is a good time to. I just had to diss the wings and Chris Draper. Hit us with the next question there. The second question from Giannis is best memory so far while doing this podcast. Wow. Uh, well, let's go with the newest guy here quick first. I think um, probably the first episode, not when they had me on as a guest, but my first episode actually is a part of being on the bench with Beaks. Uh, Mr. McMorrow, the toughest man around. Oh, yeah. And then seeing what he's doing now with... Uh, I, I do forget the name of the competition, but it's the fighting competition. Ice Wars. Yeah, Ice Wars. Um, seeing him be a judge on that. And then also one of the contestants uh, throwing a call out his way because he didn't like the score. So we might see McMorrow actually beat the crap out of somebody here in a few weeks. <laughs> and uh, I'm about it. So I think that's definitely got to be my favorite memory, just talking to one of the toughest guys to ever lace him up on the first epi is legendary. Yeah, that's a good that's a good memory. All right, Bryce, what do you got? So these questions are coming at us, um, but I think it's maybe my eighth or ninth episode here with you guys. I've been on the podcast for over a year and a half now, and 
it was when we I definitely we had a guest on a woman hockey player and I called her, her name was Jen and I called her like Elizabeth or something. And no, totally, yeah, yeah. And if you listen enough, I definitely get names wrong, including hockey players and guests. So it's not a not an uncommon thing to hear. My actual guess, yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting time. I have one more too. Uh, well, May I? When we had Peter McNabb on. And uh, we didn't hit the record button for like about the half hour, first half hour of the entire interview. And Peter McNabb who used to play for the Boston Bruins, also a D hockey player here in, in uh, Colorado. Legend. Color commentary Legend. for the Avs. And yeah, we uh, very important interview. Just didn't didn't think of hitting the record button on the most important interview we had in a very long time. So he was a good enough guy to let us start over and take his time and redo the interview with us. I think what was hilarious about it is when he gave us some shit about it later on in the episode. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, wow. Had to chirp us. Come on, had to. Oh, dude. Uh, you, you know, you ever hang out with Peter McNabb in real life? It's like he he. he he is a fan of the chirp, so one of the actual legitimate nicest people you'll ever meet. Absolutely, just, absolutely. Just a sidebar for Mr. McNabb there. And huge congratulations going out to him for beating what you know the cancer that he was he was plagued with during the season, and he still had enough go to you know stay on the air. And I mean, wow, total hockey player. He's a no. tough guy. You know, he's a tough guy, that's for sure. Wow, so most favorite moment on the podcast. That's hard. I mean, you're the originator, though. What do you think? You're the beaks. This is you. Yeah, that was hard, man. That, like, the, I, you know, there's been so, I mean, almost, I love every episode. I really do. I love, I love just getting to talk to people who are changing the hockey community landscape every day by just what, what they love doing with it. Um, Gosh, dude, that is so hard. The the Father's Day episodes were always really fun. They, those were really cool. Um, that was kind of like a laid back more, just like go and do anything you want. Uh, you know, uh, Dimitri Kalavas was really cool. Uh, the Greece ho- uh, Greek hockey player was really awesome, and, and his whole thing was really cool, like just how he was trying to save Greek hockey. Uh, but I gotta say, I think it was the Logan O'Connor episode where I got to ask him who had the better flow, uh, Landy or, uh, Bedsy, so he, and he got a pretty good kick out of that, so I thought that was really cool. Oh, that's when Bedsy had the major the flow, lettuce. yeah, like the literal flow, and if anything else, Milan Hayduke was just a pure joy to talk to. Those were all great moments, but uh, it was the most embarrassing moments in the podcast there, Cody. So what do you have for most embarrassing moments here in the podcast? Having to talk to you guys every single fucking episode? (laughs) (laughs) We'll take it. I'll take it. No, it'd probably have to be that that Peter McNabb situation where we didn't record anything for like a half hour. But yeah. Embarrassing-wise, is definitely right in the middle of our interview with Dave Jackson when we were, he was giving us all the great answers, and I dropped my mic like right in the middle of one <laughs> yeah. of the questions. So you just hear me in the episode. <laughs> oh, oh God! Oh, no, oh. <laughs> and then Cody was nice enough to not edit that out for us. So yeah, I had to. I had to I, leave uh, it. That was, that was kind of like that's uh, definitely my most embarrassing spot for sure. Yeah, that was kind of like an initiation kind of thing. Like you got to look like a jackass on the air at least once if you want to be on this podcast. 
All right, Ari, what do we got next? This is an anonymous question. Why does your podcast suck so bad? And why does Beak say um so fucking much after every sentence? Um, I don't know. Oh, man, how much time do you got? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, shoot, where do I start? I mean, we're just a bunch of drunken assholes. Uh, Really biased, love the abs a whole lot. Um, Whiskey um, and beer hissing the head. Um, one more. Um, uh, just absolute morons most of the time, right? He also texts that way too. He'll say, "I'm in the middle of a text," just so you know. I really do, actually. I I, I type like I type how I talk. So yeah, there's a lot of ums. I think that's. I don't know. I, the, I guess that's just really the uh, the hockey the hockey player getting interviewed kind of thing. You know. <laughs> you know, we all played hockey. We're not the brightest. Um's a great transition. Thanks I, for listening. That's all I got. I didn't go to fucking Harvard. That's for sure. So, um, and our <laughs> next question. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, hopefully our podcast could get better this next year or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Thanks, anonymous. This question is from me. What is the craziest thing that has ever happened to you on the ice? All right. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, I already told everybody about the story when I first tried out for uh, ice hockey. Oh, look at that. Uh, now I'm going to be thinking about it the entire time. <laughs> Thanks, Anonymous, you dick. Uh, yeah, I already told everybody about the time I, the first time I ever tried out for ice hockey, and I forgot my hockey socks, so I had to go out there and just bare-ass legs and shin pads. But I think uh, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me is during my last beer league season before I got injured, I... I dove to kind of stop a, a breakaway, and my my glove had fallen off. And while I was pushing myself back up on the ice, uh, this guy just skated right through my hand. And I was like, "Well, that that really sucked." I guess, ow, you know. So I go over to pick up my my glove in the corner the corner of the rink, and I go to pick it up with my bare hand, and it's like. It's like Kill Bill. Like, this blood is just spurting and pooling right by my glove. I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, uh, obviously this has to happen in, like, the far- furthest corner of the ring to my bench, and we have to, I have to go and get the key. So I'm skating all the way back there. I'm kind of laughing about it because it's like, holy shit, this is like Kill Bill. And uh, so, I get, uh, so I get the locker room key, and, I'm, and I have to dr- skate across the ice to get off get off the ice and uh, there there's just th- this gigantic trail of blood following me all the way to the from the ice all the way to the locker room just like you knew exactly that was that was my trail of breadcrumbs basically it's just why well, i should call it breadcrumbs. probably the craziest thing that's ever happened to me on the ice god for me i have a few i'll make them quick you know um coming on the ice uh very first time playing hockey ever with a Dofa helmet. I know that uh, Peter Forge made him look pretty cool, but I look like a ridiculous person out there as a squirt just uh, you moving were, around. You were definitely no Peter Forsberg, that's for definitely sure. Definitely not. Second one is uh, coming onto the ice, I think it's a bad end, double A, uh, with my skate guards on. Just slipping around like a baby deer in the middle of Sahara in Africa, or like a baby elephant, something that looked ridiculous as always. Um, first college hockey fight, got my ass beat, lost a couple, lost one tooth, and still have a flipper to this day. And uh, hockey camps up in Canada, and my dad decided to help a guy rub a fucking car up in Canada. Huh. Um, and if you guys are listeners, you heard the, the Father's Day episode last year. 
Um, yeah, my dad was at a, a hotel. I'm staying over at the hockey camp by the rink, and my dad ended up helping this guy rob a car. So I got the the shit from the Canadian boys for about a whole week besides him tying my brother's skates up in Canada. So, well, not just yeah. your brother's skates, but everybody else's skates. Yeah, the whole entire locker room. You have a bunch of Canadian kids playing hockey, and they're looking at the American dad like, look at this joke. I have him tie my skates too. So it was, it was, it was a pretty embarrassing moment that was off the ice, but uh, it was still a joke on the ice, and I'll never forget that. So. Definitely a uh, craziest thing that ever happened to me is... Uh, one of the only few times that I went up and actually did one of the Hockey Canada camps. And we got to uh, run some one-on-one drills. For those of you that don't know, I was a, I'm a, a big man, played defense, not the greatest back skater you've ever seen. A heavier set, fella. And uh, a little lighter back then. Uh, yeah. But uh, I got to run actually a uh, one-on-one pinch corner drill against Brady Kachuk. Um, when he was still a young squirt before he, he was you? even in the league. Did huh? he bite you? No, he actually didn't oh, bite wait, me. Oh, that was Brendan Lemieux. I'm he, sorry. Uh, he, he bit Matt Kachuk. That's yeah, right. Yeah, he, uh, he was about three strides ahead of me on every uh, one-on-one that we did. I never even breathed on him. Gave him a couple sweet slashes. Um, it's about all I could, could manage, though. That's probably the most embarrassing moment on the ice, for sure, going one-on-one with a guy that... Uh, it's now challenge. Yeah. I mean, also embarrassing when it's against a future professional hockey player. You can't feel too bad about that. Yeah, you can't feel too bad about that. I mean, still, just not knowing who he is at the time and just getting absolutely embarrassed, not a great look in front of <laughs> all the boys at not, all. Not so much fun. Now, not fun. great story. Then, right. terrible look. Right, right. All right, Ari, what you got next? I have a second question. Um... What does the Stanley Cup win mean to you guys as opposed to 96 and 01 Cup? That's a great question. Uh, let's go with the youngest one here first. because Well, considering I actually wasn't even alive for the 96. I was born in October of 96, so I wasn't alive for the first run, and I was four years old for the second run. I remember bits and pieces of it, but... Um, since I don't remember a whole lot of it, this run meant the world to me because I actually got to see the boys win. I'll remember this forever. It was honestly one of the coolest hockey things that I've ever watched personally. Bryce? Gosh, for me, yeah. So I was born in 91, so I was five years old, and the Avs won the first cup. Um, didn't really remember too much about it, you know, it's small enough to really recognize what a hockey stick was and know what hockey was and just being able to wear the first Avs jersey. Um, then, you know, when they won in, you know, uh, back in, you know, 01, you know, was sitting here going, hey, this is awesome. Like, understanding actually playing the game at that point and being in fifth grade and knowing what hockey was and just watching it happen was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, and for me, it was just really just seeing how hard hockey was and what it takes to get into the cup and just watching with my dad. And as, you know, I grow older and, you know, my dad is, and I'm so lucky to have my dad around and and watching this last one with him and, you know, my best friend Cody and, and Nick and, you know, and, and Phil, you know, and my girlfriend and everybody else was just so meaningful when they win the cup just to be able to, you know, have played the sport and maxed out my my talent in that. But to see, you know, my team win this in my favorite state and the best people around meant so much to me and understanding, you know, 
how much it meant back in 91 and 01 to 96 and 01 as well. You know, that was just an eye-opener and how cool it is to watch that with your family and your friends, the people around you, because it comes around every once in a while. So you can only hope it happens two or three times in a row, right? So that's just where, you know, I, I was, uh, I felt about that from all three. Yeah, um, a lot of the same for me. I mean, 96, I was six years old, and uh, the really really the only thing I got from it is that hockey's a thing. It's a thing in Colorado, and my dad loves it, so, and I get to hang out with my dad and watch it, and, you know, apparently we won something, you know, so that's cool. Uh, and then 2001, it was, it really cemented my love for hockey. It just proved how much I, like, I really enjoyed hockey, and that I'd want to, you know, continue, you know, being a part of the game, and in any capacity like playing playing hockey for sure and just enjoy watching it but I, I, I like at my 11 year old brain did not realize just how special and just incredible that uh, the moment of winning a championship especially as the Stanley Cup was I mean obviously I was stoked but you know 11 year old Cody's like hockey yeah cool this is awesome avalanche hockey cool yeah this is the avalanche you know so this one was uh, uh, like I, like Bryce said, super special. I got to watch it with all my friends, my dad, and I got to, in, yeah, I got to enjoy the entire thing. I mean, go, being able to go to so many games that year, being lucky enough, lucky enough to see some of the most incredible hockey I think I've ever seen in my life, and and being able to, you know, win it against the back-to-back championship champions is huge you know the huge drama huge like you know number one kind of sports sports theory kind of situation you want to be in it was just incredible and it just it, it absolutely exemplified why i love the sport so this one definitely meant everything to me as well and you know, just to top it off, you know, just what, what the state of Colorado's been through the last couple of years. You know, we had a lot of mass shootings, floods, weather disasters, that kind of thing. You know, I think this city has been, you know, waiting for, you know, I think uh, something that says, it's our time. Like, thank you. We deserve this. We need this. And it, they brought it to a city. And I think it's a city that, you know, has a lot of good sports teams, too, as well. You have, you know, a good basketball team, a decent, you know, football team, etc. But I think it just shows, you know, locally what other teams need to fucking aspire to and what they should be trying to do for a city. And I think, you know, for, if you don't play hockey, if you just, you know, if you're a fan, whatever it is, just to hear the horns hockey and to see the, the fans that we were at the parade and seeing a parade like that and just to see the, the city come together like that was just so, so cool. And it, you know, literally me and Cody were crying and just spraying champagne around, and we were just and with our dads. It was just one of the, the one of the most, you know, memorable times I think. You know, I always remember forever. So yeah, just last thought. I mean, from somebody who was really young when they made their, you know, second run, this and then really fell in love with the team through like the 2010s and some really thin times. Um, it it. It really was special to watch him win, to be with the fellas, to watch it happen. I definitely cried 100%, but it was, I mean, it just, it was worth the worth the ride, for sure. And one thing, one last thing I just want to say is that it happened at a time in the Colorado Avalanche fan, uh, franchise where 
it's a new generation. It, it spark, it's going to spark a like a whole new generation of Colorado Avalanche fans and, and hockey lovers in and around the state, you know. And that's what I love about it is that it's just going to it's going to help Colorado hockey so much and it's going to help, you know, fans of the Colorado Avalanche love the team just as much as, you know, we did when when we when we first got into it and saw and saw the the championship so like the gravitas of this win is huge and that's and that definitely helps everything about it new generation of champions to look up to yeah hockey players hockey fans yeah all right all right what else you got this question is from stevie likelihood of a three repeat no so i mean repeat can definitely happen um, I think the question, you know, question was how how likely is it for the abs to repeat or even to repeat, right? So I mean, it's hard to sit here and you know look at you know other Colorado sports teams, you know, or other hockey teams like the Capitals, or you see the you know the Lightning winning twice in a row, or at any of these teams in the NHL, you sit here and you go, wow, like, that's hard to do. It's the hardest trophy to win in the NHL. Um, and so, you I mean, a lot has to happen, and a lot has to happen perfectly for that to happen. So, yeah, but do we have the skill level to do it? I still say yes, likelihood. It's always going to be, you know, that the 30, 30, 60 kind of thing, 30, 30, 40, 60, 40 kind of thing, you know, where it's, it's, it is or it isn't. But I likelihood is low, but I'm hoping for it. I mean, personally, I think that we got a really good chance to repeat for sure. We brought back all the key parts it seems like we signed Val we signed Lekanen brought back Manson got some young guys working in the lineup still have all the key top guys locked up I uh, I don't see why we can't be competitive for the next few years we're definitely a championship window for sure I I mean I expect a finals appearance in this next season for what it's worth I mean uh, I, I ain't Babe Ruth in this motherfucker or anything. I ain't calling home run, but I mean, yeah, I gotta agree with um, Nick, dude. I mean, a, a lot of our key parts are coming back for extended seasons, so I don't see why we can't, why the Avs can't come back and at least make a play for the finals again. I mean, it, I, it, there is a big, there is a big question mark on goaltending, but wasn't it fucking the same way last year? There's been a question mark with goaltending with the Avs for the last three seasons. Yeah. So, so th- that's nothing off. new. That's nothing new. So I, you know, it's doable. It's definitely doable. Also, want to reiterate, you know, again, said that many times in this podcast already. I think they could have won either goaltenders, good defense. In, in their, you know, defensive zone that really made this, you know, a winnable season for them. And they haven't changed anything defensively at all. Not a damn thing. So, I mean, to kind of piggyback off of, you know, what Nick said there and what you said, it's definitely very likely they can definitely come back again and win this with the same kind of game plan. Yeah, just keep keep playing, keep doing good things. As know? far as the 3 P goes, let's go back to back before we talk about yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Let's, yeah, for sure. I mean, who wouldn't love a 3 P? But yeah, let's 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 walk before we run. All right, Ari, what what else you got here? This question is from Tracy. Innovation of the game from Makar slash McKinnon and players like them impacts of future play on the game. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, Kel McCarr is going to be the unicorn for the next 10 years that every kid looks up to and tries to model their game after. A big defensive defenseman, elite skating ability, able to jump in the play, really good shot, really good two-way defender. And then McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, you just look at the way the game's going with the evolution of speed and how fast the game's played these days. I think it's almost getting to a point that if you are not an elite skater or not working Skillful on your skating ability, not working on your skating ability every day, or your puck handling, puck handling ability every day. It's just that's the way the league's going. You're gonna have to be able to control the puck and be able to skate with everybody to play. So I think huge impact guys like that are gonna have on the game in the next coming years. You know, especially when you have you know players like McCarr who are scoring, you know, like, just about as much goals as some other team's, you know, centermen or left wings during the entire season. To have that kind of impact is, is absolutely huge. And you have, you know, McKinnon, you see his warm-ups during games, just the stick handling and, you know, the edge work, you know, for both McCarr and McKinnon, just amazing. And I don't think you're going to see, you know, this big, you know, influx of players that kind of skill in these next, you know, five to ten drafts. But I think you do take these six, seven, eight-year-olds who are watching the game now, and you see the camps they go to and the skills that they are able to, you know, really improve on and impact and have an impact on the game on. You know, you are going to see more players in the next 10, 15 years who, you know, defensemen, especially like where like my car would be quarterbacking teams at a peewee or a squirt, bantam, double A, junior level. And I think you're going to be seeing more skaters at a defenseman and offensive level who have that inside-outside edge ability and the stick handling speed and the control to move that fast to the puck and to be that control in your edges and to stick in the puck. You know, it's, just, it's going to be, you know, a different NHL for sure in the next 10 to 15 years. But immediately, you're not going to see that in the drafts. But, you know, these guys have their own camps. The impact's they, coming. They have their own camps. They they do, the, you know, a lot in the community. So it'd be stupid to say in the next 10 and 20 years that this game won't be faster and this game is going to be played by more offensive defensemen in that kind of sense. So listen, this is this is the way I see it. I mean, there's an old saying that goes, if you don't progress, you die. There's no way the game can't evolve. And you are seeing that this with these players like that. These skillful, speedy, smart players. That is exactly the way the game is evolving. And you got to. The game's got to evolve. The players have got to get better. Players have got to get more skillful. The, the, the game just gets faster no matter what, you know. Uh, obviously, the goonery, the, you know, the tough guy mentality has gone the way a bit of the dinosaurs. So the game's evolving every year. It's constantly involve, evolving. So, yeah, absolutely. Progress, progress, progress. The, and the game's getting more exciting in a skillful speedy way so yeah absolutely and you're gonna see you're already seeing that happen I mean that's why a guy like Kale McCarr went so high anyways you know that's why Connor McDavid and 
you know, Jack Eichels and Austin Matthews are so so highly touted in this league is because they got skill. They've got a high hockey IQ. They're fast. They're elusive. That, that's exactly the way the game is evolving. So, absolutely, it's gonna it's it's changing the landscape of hockey forever, man. Absolutely. Now I'm really excited to see what the youth does. The youth, you know, especially this year, the fans that the Avalanche have created here in Colorado. The youth hockey interest is gaining a lot of interest because of them. I'm just really excited to see what, you know, happens in the NHL in the next 10, 15 years when some of these sports peewees, bams now that watch what happened this year continue to improve and grow with their game. Pretty stoked about it. Yeah. All right. All right. What do you got next? Our next question comes from Jackson. Do you think Naz actually signed with the Islanders? If so, who do you think they moved? Um, yeah, so I think that Naz actually signed with the Islanders. I think Lou Amarillo is just playing his best old-school hockey guy and keeping it a secret. I think uh, to answer the second part of the question there, they uh, do have to move on from somebody to make the Nas contract work. So if I had to guess, my best guess would be they're going to move on from like a Josh Bailey or Anthony Bavillier or some, some one of the veteran players that has a higher cap hit. Some, something higher like upside. That. Yeah, higher upside. Um, some Something that another contender is going to be looking for. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I think personally. I mean, yeah, that's likely what's going to happen. But I'm going to sit here and play a little bit of devil's advocate here. You know, I really, yeah, a little pushback. You know, I feel like, you know, if Kadri really wanted to go elsewhere, it would have happened by now. This has been a deal that's been going on for over a month, this Kadri talk. What's going to happen to Kadri? This and that, this and that. You know, it seems to me like, you know, if he really wanted to leave, he would have signed with the Islanders, kind of like Goudreau signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He really wanted to leave. There was an issue. He would have left. But it's also, I think, he's getting pulled on the left and right shoulder, right? Like, you can win another cup. You can keep going. You can keep getting this and get paid more to win a second cup here and really prove myself that I am not just one season, prove myself kind of guy that happened with my past, whatever happened. I am this new change player. I can do it two years in a row kind of thing. Or it's this, you know, mentality of I want a Stanley Cup. People think about me, what they're going to think about me, and I have time to do it now and get out of here. So I think that's what's pulling on like, both of his shoulder pads here, the right and the left, right? So in the caddy situation, I feel like, you know, go ahead, take the money, do it. But if you're here, if you're a hockey player, you're always wanting that Stanley Cup. That's why you're here as a little kid. And you know if you get paid more for a second Stanley Cup, might as well come back for one more year. Who knows? So I think if he wanted to go, he would have left already. Um, but who knows? This could be totally done as it looks like it could be done. I'm just happy if he does go somewhere, it's not going to be in the West. It'll be in the East. I think the main catalyst here is cap space. I mean, for two reasons. Um, and two different reasons. Kind of arguing both sides here is that Teams can be over cap all the way up until the day of the hockey season. So, I mean, he could have signed with New York already. He could have signed with Colorado already. It would just have to take some movement to get that cap space down. The other reason is teams don't have cap. 
all like a lot of a lot of these contenders. I think uh, a hockey guy, the hockey guy, was talking about it the other day. Why there's not a lot of movement right now is because so many teams that are really considered contenders or maybe even relevant don't really have the cap space. They cap it up one million dollars. Big whoop. So it's not like you can play around a whole lot. It's got to be really just put on Nazem Kadri's shoulder. Like, where do I want to spend the last part of my career? And I think, and good on him for not taking it just like a spark decision. Like, he's taking time to really think about where he wants to be and his options. And for a guy to think eight years into his future, yeah, I would probably be doing the same thing. You know? So I, I just... It's, I mean, there's a million things you can think about it. You really could. And uh, what it really comes down to is what does Naz want the most? An opportunity to win another Stanley Cup or go somewhere where you might not have it, but you'll have the the job insurance. Well, obviously, they'll have the job insurance here. But also, where do you want to end your career? Yeah, and as you said, it, it's the part of the game where it is a business it's like this is what i do for my career i'm gonna get paid right for what i put my time and energy into right it's why you do a job yeah so if he wants to get paid more and the stanley cup issue is not on the top of his head he just wants to play hockey and get paid well then hey i'm not surprised he takes the islanders on their offer there's a million determining factors when it goes into doing something like this i mean i think he saw it with the johnny hockey contract he he left calgary to be closer to home well, I mean, that was just simply, I think, a dude that wanted a U.S. hockey player playing in Canada that was ready to come back to the States. I mean, he wanted to go back closer to home, but I think the Canadian market had something to do with it. And, I mean, just being, you know, an hour and a half plane ride away from your hometown instead of a six-hour plane ride, huge difference right. with that type of contract. Right. Like I said, just a million determining factors that a lot of fans and uh, a lot of analysts maybe don't think about. Well, maybe not so much analysts, but a lot of fans don't think about, like, where do I want to be for the next eight years of my life? Do I want to be here? What, what kind of market do I want to play in? Where Where do I see myself in eight years? And let's be honest with you, in life, man, I can't even see. I, I can't even decide where I want to be in a fucking year. So, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, because in a career, like where do I want to be? Where do I want to live? How much money do I want to make? And love doing what I'm doing. And these are the questions every person asks in their own career, right? So it's not surprising why he did what he did. So it's not surprising to me if Cat does what he does either. Nick, well, I think one more factor that happened in all this in the last couple of years, the coronavirus happened, and. Two different countries in the same league handled that completely different. Yeah. So Canadian players were basically essentially locked down for two whole years where they weren't able to travel over the border and, you know, other things like that. So I think that had to factor into guys like Johnny Gaudreau and people like that, their decisions to move on. You know, probably in the last year or two, not being able to see their families, not being able to travel, not being able to do a lot of things, you know, probably changed the aspect on money and location. So, yeah, personally. Absolutely. All right, Ari, what, what else you got here? This question is from Bryce. Why don't the Avalanche have their own practice facility and personal facility closer to the ball arena? 
one. Let me elaborate, you know, on this one a little bit. You know, you have a lot of teams who have so much, you know, time on their hands. They have to drive to some, some other space or practice facility. Unless you're an away team coming to a game, you know, you have to find another facility, right? But you have so many teams with so much other budget to have facilities to practice at. It's, you know, the Avs have this practice facility where it's an arcade, it's a, it's a restaurant, it's a golf course. It's just so much going on to where you're just like, hey, are we really getting, you know, the privacy we need to, you know, to really game plan what we want to do and have the luxury we have as hockey players? So that's more my question stands there. Yeah. Well, Joe, actually, uh, in his latest presser, Sakic actually talked about this, and apparently there are things in place for Elitches to kind of go away, the the amusement part right next to Ball Arena, and that is supposed to become a practice facility slash kind of neighbor, like not neighborhood, but like just area for the Avalanche, the Nuggets, and the Colorado Mammoth. And not to mention there are going to be upgrades to the Avalanche dressing rooms and stuff. So that's actually in place. So they are they are working on that right now. That's amazing because Kronky needs to do something about it. Something. Uh, that's that's their, his best team right now, at least in the Colorado area. Well, and I mean, and then with the Nuggets, they have a back-to-back MVP in Nikola Jokic and a championship contender. You know, the Mammoth Supposedly. just won. Yeah, oh, baby Mammoth. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's well overdue. It's time for these guys to have their own facility to be professionals. I mean, they're champions for goodness sake. I mean, it's it's time. So yeah, that actually things are in place. That's 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 funny that you asked that. Yeah, because it just uh, it happened. I think he, he spoke on it about like a month ago. So amazing. We'll a lot of here. a lot of positive changes for facilities and stuff are coming for like the Kroenke sports teams in Colorado. Just not for the fans. Uh, Let's do it. Well, hey man, we've got a great arena to go to every every year. You know, there's not a bad place in Balls Arena to watch a hockey game, so I ain't too worried about it. I am, however, um, TV side. Oh well, well, yeah. I I don't think we should even get into that right now. This will be like a three hour podcast (laughs) of me just bitching about it the entire time. Our next question is from Ryan. Who do you think won the Flames and Panthers trade considering Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Heberdeau extension that came after that? I, I'll hop on this. Uh, I think Calgary Flames won that deal. Uh, not They they pulled in Jonathan Huberdeau, a basically a 90-point scorer since he's been around in Florida. Not to mention they scored a M- Mackenzie Weger which is an incredible get. Uh, he's an incredible defenseman, can can contribute on the offense, and he's just a solid defenseman, and I really think Florida lo- got fleeced just for, just for a Matthew Kachuk return. I mean, don't get me wrong, but Matthew Kachuk is a great player, and he can, he, he can be a game-changer, but in the end, you got two game-changers and a, not a bad player 
uh, not a, a bad uh, draft pick as well. So I, I really think Calgary won that one. I mean, I think it's a good trade for both sides considering where Calgary was at with Matthew Kachuk. I think that they got back great talent in Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdeau. And then especially since Jonathan Huberdeau got locked up to that eight-year deal for sure, that was sweet for them. Yeah. Mackenzie Weger, if they could somehow find a way to get him under contract. And then also, let's not forget, a 2025 conditional first-round pick. And who knows what the Panthers are going to be in two, three years. So Absolutely. We have to wait and see on that. I think, personally, the best player in the trade is Matthew Kachuk. I think that's great for the Panthers. It's a great addition. But to lose uh, Huberdo and a McKenzie Weger and a first-round pick, I mean... Matthew Kachuk is a great talent, but that is a hefty price to pay. So we shall see. I think in the short term, probably helps the Panthers. But in the long term here, if I had to guess, I'd guess that the Flames are going to win this deal. Yeah, I have nothing to say. I totally agree with you on that one. Um, God damn it. Took my answer. All right. I'll go for that <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. So this is our last question, and it comes from Beaks. Hey, I know that guy. Where do you want to see this podcast go in the next year? And who would be your guys' all-time favorite person to interview on the podcast? Nicholas? Well, let's see. Let me think about this. So in the, I love what we're doing now, and I love the guests that we're getting, and I love the spots that we're in all the time. I guess I would love to see maybe in the next year we get – a little bit more consistency with our guests, maybe. Right. Um, and I don't know. Just keep having fun with the boys. Have another great season. Uh, as far as person that I would want, the dream interview would have to be Joe Sackick for sure. That's favorite <laughs> hockey player all time. Reason why I love the game. The architect of this champion chip team. I mean. He's he's the goat here. He's Captain Colorado. He's the man. That's that's. that's he's a it. hockey god. The, he's the there standard. Yeah, uh, he is our standard. All right, Bryce. What about you, bro? Uh, I mean, so the name doesn't come to mind, obviously, at the top of my head. But um, who was the the, the goalie? Who was the emergency goalie for the Kings? Was it the, the David Ayers? David, David Ayers. Ayers, the Toronto Maple Leafs Zamboni driver. I just have Steve Dangle. Who could tell you? So you sit here, you know, as a hockey fan, you you can't do it as a forward or a defenseman or anything like that, right? But you're sitting here watching these games as a fan. And he is somehow he called was the, a, He was the Toronto Maple Leafs and a, Zamboni driver yeah. in that game. And the Zamboni driver, and someone just asks you, how much do you love this team, right? Like, do you want to <laughs> see this team win? Like, how much do you love this team? Like, where are your balls at? How right? do you feel about playing against you, them? <laughs> yeah, you never played, you know. You work for Toronto, but... You, <laughs> yeah, you work for us, but then someone asked, you know, if you had to, like... Hypothetically, I think this is something you, you only get asked like in, when you're drinking around with your friends. If you had to, would you ever play goalie for an NHL team? You never played juniors or played anything like that. You know, you AHL, juniors, nothing, college. And they say, can you play goalie for us? A professional hockey team? And you're sitting there. You'd have to. 
And you're sitting there going, how much do I love this hockey team? Like, how much? This is a once-in-a-lifetime deal that I'm ever, ever going to get. I don't care what happens to me or what people think about me. I love this team so much. I'm going to put some pads on. I'm going to go take some pucks from the NHL fucking team and not even know what it's like. Austin Matthews and Johnny Tavares, no less. Like, that's who he's stopping shots from. That's begs the question, like, do you go in and fuck dog or do you, like, go in and just steal the show? And Ayers went in and stole the show, which is fucking incredible. And, I mean, it's still a great joke. For I mean, what, what was that, like, five, six years ago now? Yeah. Lost to a Zamboni driver. And just to yeah. ask him about the pressure, like what your family felt about that, like what the players are talking to you, what they're telling you during a fucking intermission. Oh, like, real. You know, the support they gave you, like what is, how is that? And then to come out and win, win the game. It was shut them down. <laughs> it literally shut them down. And and just to be like, you know what, you're professionals, you couldn't take me on, even though, like, come on. Like, that is, what an epic story besides, like, Airbud. Like, you feel like, <laughs> you feel like. Besides a dog playing basketball, or a probably monkey the best playing sports hockey, story like, ever. What, like, you have to, no one else would expect you besides a Zamboni driver, let alone stop a 100 plus mile an hour puck. And just because you played goalie before, because you're the, the, the most closest person there than you play goalie. It was luck of the draw. You, you couldn't have picked the shortest draw for that. Unreal. And have him was the most luck. So, airs all the way. Ari, what do you got to say? And he did, he wasn't even, like, mentally prepared for it. Like, he was just, like, thrown into it, and he played the best game he could. Literally. And that's all I have to say. Unreal. I mean, uh, that'd be a great interview. So, David, if you're out there, uh, on the bench with Beaks is looking for an interview. One thing, if if that year they were doing that good and they won the cup, does David Ayer's name go on the cup? Has to, oh, no. God. I would, I would petition for I it. Would. I, I would. I would totally petition, petition for it. Because, like, uh, yeah, Kibo teaming it when, I think it was when... Uh, it was when uh, the Chicago Blackhawks won. He was only with the team for... Not a very long time, but uh, and he didn't actually, uh, he didn't actually. What, what uh, he wasn't able to have his name on it. They pet- petitioned for him to have his name on the cup. I would, if I was the Canes, I'd have been like, you have to put his yeah. name on here. Especially worthy if you're like it was like a one or two game difference between you getting a wild card game or something like that. You would have to put that on there. Ah, that's just the well, yeah, one of the most amazing sports stories out there. Hey. Personal opinion, if Ryan Murray can get on the cup for the abs here and he only played like eight games this season, why can't he put well, he was he was on the he was on the, the roster for oh, the entire where, season. Oh, where I'm just saying in context of games played, you're in the same realm. Yeah. Oh yeah, agreed. Alright, so I guess I'll round this one off. Um where I'd like to see the podcast go this next year, um, I kind of just got to echo what Nick was saying. Like, I just want to keep having fun, have a little bit more consistency. The The fact that we get to talk to so many amazing hockey hockey minds and ho- uh, hockey community activists in their special ways, just, it's the ultimate treat for me. Yeah, I love hockey so much, and I want to I give back to it as much as I can. And if this, the, this apparently shitty podcast... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Anonymous. Uh, this uh, If this podcast gives back in any other way, I mean, I, I had just seen a um, an Instagram post from Lifter Up Hockey. If you guys remember, uh, 
we we did an interview with them like right when they were first starting out and they just hit a thousand followers on instagram and they actually tagged us in the in the in the post so that was really cool to see and i mean just just if if it helps out in any way to get the word out about people's amazing work that's that's all i can ask for you know that's all I want, you know, I, I don't do this because I, I want to make money or be Mr. Famous podcast guy, I do it because I like to talk to people who like, who like hockey just as much as I do, and if they're doing something special in the hockey community, that's all I can, that's all I can ask for, so that's what I, that's, that's where I'd like to see the podcast at least stay, you know, yeah. and I mean, a couple more episodes wouldn't be bad, we're, we're, just outside the realm of a hundred episodes, boys. Close. Yeah, so that's 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 gonna be pretty fun. Um, but my all-time dream interview. I mean, this is if you're a current like a, a constant listener, this is probably a pretty good guess that Peter Forsberg will be would be my all-time favorite. Uh, like I I always have this dream about actually talk, uh, like having a conversation with him in Swedish so that hopefully that could happen someday probably not on the podcast like I'd probably have to you know pay for it but if I could I'd definitely have a uh, football on, uh, on the cast well I, mean, I didn't really answer the question of where I want to see this podcast go in the future you know but I mean if I could do this every day for eight hours and get paid for it I'd love to do it but you know I sit here and I and just think about you know all the different aspects of hockey, you know, all the different people we met, from blind hockey to sled hockey to women breaking through and just changing the game, creating their own league. Seriously, yeah. and, and and you know, and just seeing how you know, even hearing about there's boxing leagues, yeah, here for enforcers on ice for <laughs> hockey to improve the enforcer, I guess, quote unquote, position. In the that, dudes in the sport. customizing rod hockey games. And yeah, stuff. and and just and just kind of hear the back and forth, you know, of you know the. The tough guy part of it, you know, the skills and in and outs of, you know, uh, what we've seen in the past from interviewing Hayduke, you know, I'm interested in seeing what the future holds um, for the podcast and just you know, the hockey itself and just being able to expand what happens because everything today is just changing so quickly. So I just want to see our podcast adapt to the changes and being able to talk about what happens in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to at least cover it in some capacity and being able to talk about it's a major treat. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. So, I think with that, I think we're done with questions. Like this was a pretty solid "Ask Us Anything" episode. Uh, like it was a kind of just like a fly by the seat of the pants kind of episode, and I really enjoyed it. What about you guys? Thank you uh, for listeners for giving these questions to us and we're more than happy to answer more just uh keep us posted but you know keep them going i think this is a good episode we want to do more yeah so. i mean a huge thank you to jeff graham todd Giannis, jackson ryan stevie tracy uh ari unanimous fuck you uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i loved answering that question actually it was really fun so uh yeah everybody who uh, like um threw us questions it was really great it kind of just uh showed us that people like to hear us jibber jaw sometimes it was a change thanks for giving us topics to talk about yeah and major thank you to ari for uh being our moderator today that's really cool mc in that podcast there you go yeah. thank you for having me yeah took, took a little uh took a little pressure off the old host here so that'd be that was nice uh, so just shout outs before we want to go or you just want to head into the, uh, the old 
hey, I'm happy to shout outs and obviously to everyone who listens and gave us questions because obviously we couldn't do without you, obviously. Pointless to be talking to air. Um, but you know, uh, my beer nation, my dog nation, Ari, my family, the Avs, the NHL, the reason why hockey's around. Thank you so much. So, yeah, just shout out to the fans. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for. You know, writing the episode basically for us and uh, yeah, that was nice. Letting some good league talk in here and sparking good conversation. Appreciate you guys always. Thanks for listening. I can't wait for more of this. I gotta echo all that. Everybody who asked questions, thank you to Ari for being our MC of the day. Thank you to you know all of our uh, anchor supporters. And uh, thank you always to the Zambonis. Catch them up on Bandcamp and Spotify. Go buy some, go buy some sweet T-shirts and buy get their entire. You can get their entire disco- discography right now on Bandcamp for thirty-two bucks, right now. So go out, help them out, give them some money. They're great guys. Thank you to Dave as always. Dave Zamboni, great dude. Love him. Love him so much. Uh, so yeah, um, in. In the long scheme of things, also, thank you to everybody who's ever uh, supported or contributed or been a guest or done anything for this podcast without uh, without you guys. I mean, especially this episode, we, we wouldn't be where we're at or, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So thank you to all you guys. So uh, next time, until next time, I should say, uh, catch us on the bench. So until then, Vihorsh. Salute. Ciao. Let's try the damn thing, see what happens.